0: The conscious fertility idea is that the infertility or pregnancy loss is a wake-up call it's forcing you to become aware conscious to do your conscious work your spiritual evolution is one way to look at it and many people have their wake-up call some people have a divorce some people lose a death of a loved one or get a cancer diagnosis or a financial disaster some people it's a health issue and some it's fertility or pregnancy loss it is an opportunity for you to use this for growth.
1: I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Chick, a Soulfire production. I haven't been super public with Jordan and I's pregnancy journey. And I just phrase it like that, blanket pregnancy journey. I'm like looking at my hands on my desk and they're like a little bit sweaty (laughs) because what was really interesting is that I found myself very open and willing to share about my journey and about our journey while we were in the prep part of the journey is what it felt like. Like It felt like it was a part of the whole thing, but we weren't actually having sex in order to conceive. We were prepping our bodies many months ahead of time, healing gut, doing different protocols, getting all the tests done and the blood work and the hormone panels, and just making sure things were optimal. We weren't quite ready to start trying yet, but we were in the flow of let's make it to where we are We know anyone can, well, I won't say anyone can get pregnant, but like people who don't put this much effort into their health, can they get pregnant all the time? But for us, we wanted to do our part in making sure that the best DNA came together for this little consciously created creature that we feel like we're on the cusp of bringing into the world. And so when we got to this place of actually starting to do the sex, all of a sudden I felt kind of like a turtle. Like I went all the way back in my shell. I had a number of my friends that were relatively public about their conception journey, their pregnancy journey and all this. And what I learned from them and their influence and their social media and all of that is that I basically realized that I need to be prepared for everyone else's opinions on like what happens. And really it became very clear just how many people feel a lot of resonance with this journey in and of itself. And when I first started on the path with Jordan, and I even realized like my body language and how I'm going to talk right now because I just haven't really been that public with us, but I'm, I'm about to be. So <laughs> when we actually started to do the sex and then started moving through the crunchiness of learning a whole new language and sex, I'm that sex chick, so I'm helping people have a great sex life. But conception sex is a whole different situation and there's just a lot to it and like what it's brought up for Jordan and I. And we believe that it is very much all helping us to get to the place where we're going to be really amazing parents, like every step of it. So anyway, all this lead up and this build up and this dancing around is to share with all of you listeners that today's conversation, if you've listened to a previous episode, there is a previous episode where we kind of crack open a little bit or if this is your first one i'm going to get to have a conversation with someone who is all about conscious fertility and even has a podcast of his own called conscious fertility and this is my promise to myself is that i'm going to remain open and i'm going to receive this information just like i hope that all of you will receive whether you are on the path to conception or you already have little's running around Yeah, I'm wanting to pull back the curtain here and at the same time showcase someone who really caught my eye recently on social media with his brand and his show and all of that. Lauren, thank you so much for coming on to the show and thank you for being patient while I rambled around trying to do my intro here of those fueled with discomfort and I can do this.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Alexa, thank you for inviting me on your show. And we didn't do any prep that this is what you were going to introduce. So thank you for your openness and your strength being vulnerable. Being open is a sign of strength because there are so many women and men who are looking to grow their families and some are struggling with that. So having some fertility issues and hopefully we can shed some light on that topic for them to give them some hope and some resources to help them on their journey as well, including yourself.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's still so, I, I mean, maybe I'll feel this way forever. Maybe there's lots of people that feel this way slash maybe after I actually have a kid, maybe it will go away a little bit, but I'm just so awkward. I'm so awkward. I've spent 34 years of my life. I'm 34. I have spent 34 years of my life, you know, and not the whole life have I been having sex and trying not to conceive. But the majority of my life, my whole adult life where sex has been a thing, I've been actively trying not to do the thing that I feel as ready as maybe I'm ever going to feel to do now. And it is such a mindfuck.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes, it is. And that's <laughs> actually such a common thing when I'm communicating with the women I see is like you said, what the fuck? I've been trying not to get pregnant, and now I can't. And then they start thinking about all the stress they had where they should maybe have been stressing, right? It's not as easy to conceive as we think when you look at the, from the biological side. We're going to talk more about conscious today, but it's amazing that any of us exist today. Right, um, right. If you look at what happens. The beautiful thing is that if the body, if the right environment is there on a physical mental, emotional, and spiritual, the body has this innate capacity to heal and reproduce. So there's that part of it, getting things aligned, which you've been working at. There's the physical side, really important, but we're also mental, emotional, spiritual beings. And so we're really good at the physical side. And then maybe there's stuff that's more, less materialistic that we can also help with that. And then there's things like we know what we don't know, and we don't know, then there's things that we don't know we don't know. Mm-hmm. There's so much we don't know. And so myself and all the experts you're going to see that people will see when we say with confidence, this is the right way to do it. And this is how you do it. We don't know, right? (laughs) We really don't. (laughs) We have some ideas and we have some research and we have some data. And so there are some things that you can do to increase your chances, but I don't think anybody can guarantee it. And there is no right way, but there are ways to do this to increase your chances and For it to be a positive experience versus what I see when people come to my practice where it's struggling and it interferes with the relationships. And then sex isn't fun either. Baby making, like you just alluded to, is not fun. And we got to put fun back into the baby making as well.
1: Yeah. Yes, for sure. And I've had people even reach out periodically because the amount of times that the average person is in the window of conception sex is probably small in comparison to all of the rest of the sex that they're going to have is like a couple percentage if i'm just making up a percentage here you know, well, maybe we, can you know more you, that.
0: we can give you the window this is what we know today and when i say what we know today is we learn new stuff through research and then what we thought we knew is wrong and then we have this is what we know now so what we know today at the time of this recording when the woman releases the egg there's like a 24-hour window that we want it to be fertilized with the sperm. But sperm can live in the body three to five days. So if a man orgasms inside the woman, and assuming the environment, all that, and her environment, and his sperm's healthy, it'll hang around the cervix for three to five days. And as it gets closer to ovulation, the cervix opens, and then the mm-hmm. sperm, we do you know why, it finds its way into the tube with that egg, and hopefully one will fertilize that egg. So I always have this expression for timing intercourse if you have a regular cycle not everybody has a regular cycle as they ovulate pretty much on that day every month like day 14 textbook wise but never keep a lady waiting meaning it's better to have this sex leading up to ovulation than right on ovulation or later after ovulation and some of the data shows that a woman is most fertile two days before she ovulates which how would you know that you'd only know that if you know you're very regular so i always ovulate on this day or if you use those p-tests, they're called ovulation predictor tests, they're testing a hormone called luteinizing hormone, LH surge, that day and the next day is you want to have intercourse because that LH surge says you're going to ovulate within 12 to 36 hours. So that gives you the at least one day potential, almost two days before. And so that is the timing. So the window could be three to five days that you are fertile. I mean, you could conceive if you're having sex, and then there's lots of things you can do to prep. So egg quality, sperm quality, uterine receptivity. But for timing the intercourse, you're right. If you're doing it after ovulation, it's not going to be so helpful. Actually, a quick short story for you, Alexa. My two women I've helped at different times in my practice. I've been in practice since 2000, focusing on reproductive health. And they were doing the charting of their basal body temperature. And this has happened twice in my practice, where they came in and they showed me when they were having intercourse. One is they weren't having frequent intercourse but their timing wasn't great. And all I said is, can you have sex on this day and this day? So they didn't have real infertility issues, they had timing issues. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so I've had two women in my practice in over 20 years that it was a timing issue. Other people, there's other things that are going on that we try to help correct.
1: Mm, amazing. Thank you. And I want to touch on some of the things that the challenges and the struggles and all that and then the conscious portion of it. But really, I love that you gave that whole explanation. And in my head, I'm like, yep, yes, yes, I have OPKs, ovulation predictor kits. I have those little tiny test strips, which is really interesting. And then I track with a daisy. Every morning I take take my BBT. So I have a lot of biofeedback and Eventually in our conversation, I want to talk about when all of this doing is actually maybe not so good to have so much doing. But originally what I was kind of highlighting was the fact that like you and I, the vast majority of the sex in general of our whole lives, the amount of times that we're going to focus on trying to conceive is a very small amount but it's very impactful. And I'm realizing that that this window, these three to five days, and like making sure we get it right and making sure that you don't use the favorite lube because that might inhibit sperm motility. And there's just all these things that I'm learning. And afterwards, when we get through this like little window of like, all I need you to do is just come over here, like literally come over here, you know. And then we get to the other side. And I'm like, Do you still love me? I'm like, we're so like flip-flopped, you know. My husband and I are like so flip-flopped. A lot of times, like He's the notorious like sexual creature that's like, oh, yeah, you know, I get out of the shower and I'm like wrapped in a towel. And he's like, oh, that means you want sex. I'm like, no, that means I just got out of the shower. <laughs> he's just like, whoa, you're naked. I'm like, I'm getting dressed. So it's this really interesting thing where I'm like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you mean? What am I doing? I'm like, did you look at the calendar? Did you look what I put on your calendar? It's like, we're like, it's time to do the dance here. And so it's just a really interesting thing that is playing out. And we are mostly having a great time with it. Sex six days in a row, that is a doozy. We are really into it after a nice break because we give ourselves a break. After a nice break, we're like into it until we get to day four. And then day four, it's like been clockwork now. I break down. I just like break down. I'm like, I don't know. He's tired. I'm like, what are we doing here? Are we equipped to be parents? Let's ask a million questions about God and the universe. And is this what we're supposed to do? It is more of just like a clusterfuck of emotions and feelings and just so much more than... I read... That it could be like this and that it was this way for some people, but I just hadn't had an embodied experience of what this was like. And I will also admit that we technically haven't been trying for that long. So we tried the first time in July. We missed one of the critical days, tried again in September and then in October. And so, for those people who've been listening to my show, by the time this recording comes out, as I'm recording this, the show that I'm about to refer to hasn't been released yet, but it is getting ready to. And it is about the fact that we actually did get pregnant in October. And then about 10 days after we got the positive pregnancy test and told all of our very closest people in our lives, I started to miscarry. And so that was just something we were not prepared to handle. And it didn't matter how many times people had told me, oh, by the way, like this is super common and all that. We just emotionally... We just didn't know what was going to come with that. And in a lot of ways, I feel like it prepared me on a spiritual level for what is to come very soon. But it's like this whole process from the moment we said yes to it, this is, I think, what we're opting into for the rest of our lives is so much unknown and no control. Yeah,
0: And no control. And again, what you've been through, that pregnancy loss, trying for it, wanting it, and then getting what they call a chemical pregnancy and losing that pregnancy it's been described to me as, they call it fertility stress or fertility trauma. The miscarriages or the negative pregnancy test is what women go through. And it's interesting, or it's not interesting, it's different for the men. How the women have described it, my observation, is every woman that I do a history on, they know the year and month they lost their pregnancy, no matter how many years later. The men forget about it because it wasn't real for the most of the men. Don't remember the miscarriage but the women do and so there is some trauma or stress around this and again that's why the conscious fertility podcast to bring in some of the spirituality around this because trauma is not good in the body yeah. and so again sorry for what you and your partner have gone through recently because what i've witnessed this is difficult and your listeners who are listening i'm sure some of them are feeling in their body that have experienced this because it will activate their trauma around their pregnancy losses too
1: What I have discovered over the last couple of weeks since it happened is that, I mean, even though I heard it was common until actually going through it. And then several days after the, holy shit, I can't believe this is now the story that starts my pregnancy. Like that is a part of the beginning of my pregnancy journey recollection. Like I don't get to undo this. I don't just forget that this happened, but in this weird way, it kind of put me in this club with other women that were also maybe caught off guard or were even a little further along. And so in some ways it was more physically traumatic than emotionally taxing slash maybe both. I mean, you know, the body heals, but the mind is going to remember, you know, the feelings and the loss and the loss of the timeline and all of that. And so yeah. It's really interesting that like now I feel this, I don't know if kinship's not necessarily the word, but it's almost like I was, I had a first phase of an initiation or an initiation that's in and of itself outside of motherhood and becoming a mother, birthing.
0: Yeah. Well, you share something with other people. I don't invite people to join the club, but if you're in it, it's community's powerful, right? And so I think what you're describing is a sense of community too, because there's other people that get you Yeah, you experience. And you said it's in the mind. I will say it's actually in the body. This is in the body. Peter Levine wrote a book, I think it's called Waking the Tiger. And there's another author, The Body Keeps the Score, two different books. But they talk about that trauma is stored in the body. It's actually, and that's why talk therapy is not always as helpful because it's not a thinking thing. You're not going to think your way through this. It is a physical, it's in the cells. And there's ways to use somatic work, body work, acupuncture being one of them, EMDR, certain yoga therapies, Qigong to help the body discharge this trauma and so in my practice and around conscious fertility that's part of that idea and i will share with you what you're experiencing in this community to me the conscious fertility idea is that the infertility or pregnancy loss is a wake-up call it's forcing you to become aware conscious to do your conscious work your spiritual evolution is one way to look at it And many people have their wake-up call, and I get this term from one of my teachers, Gila Golub. She's one of the episodes on my podcast, and she talks about the wake-up call. Some people have a divorce. Some people lose a death of a loved one or get a cancer diagnosis or a financial disaster. Some people, it's a health issue, and some it's fertility or pregnancy loss. It is an opportunity for you to use this for growth, and it sounds like that's what you're doing. You know because yeah. victimhood because some people it's trauma and it's trapped in the bodies and it makes them separate and go away from people not have community and i don't know how healthy that is and that's what happens in life we have difficulties we have things that we may describe as trauma and if we don't have the resilience or the tools or the support then it can make us turn into almost like victimhood and then we're at the effect of it for the rest of our life until we decide to address it this is an opportunity for you to address it and to take you within and become evolved from it consciously
1: yeah and thank you and i definitely feel that way now this many days post and i let myself be really pissed and kind of fucked up about it i mean it's the grieving process too where i'm like i just wanted to be like a little bit in shock and i only had i was only holding on to it or i only had the positive with the pregnancy test and like i was only for about five weeks so super early. So like some people it's much longer, but I also don't want to discount the experience that I had. And when I was actually in it, I wanted to just let myself feel all the way through. And not try to stuff it down and not try to get too much, not try to swing the pendulum into like, Oh, but I'm hopeful because I've got all this information and I'm super empowered. And I want to just like, let myself be kind of fucked up a little bit. And then about four or five days later, I also think when my hormones started to shift, Mm -hmm. I could find my level head again, a little bit easier. And of course, this is waves, like grief and loss and those kinds of things. It's like, oh, wow, several hours and I'm okay. And then all of a sudden there's like a crash and I'm like in the kitchen and I'm like crying over making dinner and I'm like out of whatever. So I tried to let myself be and definitely throughout the process, I already knew that it was going to be very a very spiritual experience for me. It was a very long process to get myself to a place where I want family. And being in partnership with my husband, as soon as I met him, I was like, oh shit, here we go. You know, And I didn't want to be one of those cliche situations where it's like, oh yeah, honey, you'll have a family when you meet the right guy. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm an empowered single woman. Let me live my life unconventionally, not wanting marriage, not wanting kids, like back off. And then as soon as I met Jordan, I was like, there's no way I'm not going to make you a father. There's no way. And it was mainly because my nervous system was so settled with him in a sense that I know this man will never leave his children. And deep underneath my decision not to have a family was I didn't want to do it alone because that's what happened for my mom. And it was a lot of fear and that was on the surface of it. And so I've done so much work to get to this place where I'm open and I'm ready. And I am all those things. And then even as we go to start this podcast, I notice how contracted I get. And so a couple of days ago, I went and I had acupuncture done and I had some little bit of body work. And I'm pretty sure she threw in some Reiki in there too. It was like a whole situation. And a friend gifted me her spot with a lady who's really popular here in Austin. And so I went and she actually put her hands, like I gave her high level, you know, what I was coming there for, what I just experienced. And she put her hands on me and she just goes, I don't want you to take this miscarriage personally. She's like, your little souls are coming to you. And it was so powerful when she said, you don't have to do anything. They're already on their way. And I was just like, "Oh, okay, relax. It's okay. Because as soon as I personally have moved through to the other side of like, I do want these things. I do want a family. Now it's oh shit, what if I can't? What if it's going to get yanked? What if I say yes? And then there's just kind of whatever fucked up thing that God or the universe or whatever just goes, nope, just kidding. You said you want it. You're ready for it. And now you can't have it. And so it's just been this really interesting concoction of emotions and stories and all these things that I've just in my life have never never come across. I've gotten really good at what my triggers are in the past. And I've done the therapies and I've done the plant medicines and like various Chinese medicine, holistic, like I've done a lot of things. And then all of a sudden we get to the conception thing, this road to conception, and it's all of this shit. <laughs> that I just was like, where did you come from?
0: Well, I think you have these experiences, you talked about plant medicine and some of your triggers of having to raise children on your own or that abandonment. You didn't use that word, but it sounded right. like, I'm going to apologize that that doesn't resonate, but it sounds like that. Okay, And you've had all these experiences and on the spiritual and conscious journey after interviewing so many experts and researchers and authors on this is there's a few people that become enlightened and life seems to be maybe awesome. But for the majority of us that are conscious, we still get challenges like you're having the difference from my experience and the experience of the people i interview and the experience i work with is there's a new sense of resilience and you have tools so you kind of go unconscious or it hurts a little bit but you rebound very quickly because you have the tools and so that's the difference and so when you ask like now i have this conception thing but i've done all my work i've done all my work one of my teachers of consciousness said yeah you will have work to do until you die as long as you're in this body there's work to be done It just is different. When the challenges come, you don't like them, but there's a part of you, there's a new voice in there that says, here we go again, let's see how we work through this. And you buckle down and you do your breath work, you do your tools that you have to keep you awake, keep you conscious, and you move through it and you move through it much quicker than you would have been five or 10 years ago. And you don't take it as personally.
1: Totally. I'm noticing that the gap is getting steadily yeah. more steadily shorter while I also challenge myself, make sure not to bypass and also be okay with that occasionally. I might skip over some things and I can always go back or I agree. I mean, of course I agree. I'm gonna be doing this until the day that I die. It's what I've signed up for. And I'm conscious and aware of it from my twenties, which in my community and people that I work with and all of this, they're just kind of coming online to some of these things much later than when it came online in a sense for me, like this conscious awareness kind of thing. And so it's kind of a trip.
0: And your body knows how to do it. Cause I don't know if you're consciously aware of it, but you said like you didn't bypass it. And when this happened, you said you got angry, you got really pissed off. And that is conscious work to me. Consciousness is about being authentic. So many people think it's about trying to feel good and feel better, but it's actually about getting better at feeling. And so Mm -hmm. consciousness is being authentic about being aware of your anger consciously. So you haven't lost your mind. You are lost your shit and you're going crazy on people. I'm not talking unconscious rage. I'm talking you're angry and you're not trying to suppress it. You're not trying to overlay it with positive affirmations. You're just really accepting the fact that right now you're so disappointed and so pissed off that you lost this pregnancy. That's part of conscious work, getting present with it. And paradoxically, when you become fully present, when you surrender to your anger, or your sadness, or whatever emotion it is brought up. The paradoxical part is that's when you get to choose again because it takes you to from a place of being charged in your wound to surrendering to it. You go from like a sympathetic overwhelm or high beta brainwaves into alpha brainwaves into parasympathetic. That's the rest and digest breed and feed nervous system. And when you're there and you're present, you now have the ability to choose differently. And that's when you can bring in different feelings and thoughts but the first step is to be authentic and be with your emotions. And so you did it and that's how you do it. So that's showing all the work that you've done up to now is already showing you're doing this because most people will try and avoid the pain or the anger. And you said, I'm gonna feel this, I'm gonna allow it. That's part of the discharge. So it doesn't get trapped in your cells.
1: Totally. Yes. And my whole family knows I am the feeler. I have essentially resounded to the fact that if no one else will feel around me, I will feel for myself and for them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely the big feeler. So uh, thank you for all of this. I'm going to shift us a little bit more into your line of work and getting some advice. So for a really sweet 10 days, I was no longer on the conception journey and it felt every day I woke up and went, what's going to happen today? And I was like, wow, for nine more months, what's going to happen today is probably going to be the question I wake up and ask myself, whether it's the physical changes or whatever. And in a lot of ways, I'm still in that curiosity of what's happening in my body and what's going on in my body, but I'm on the journey. I'm on the path to conception Again, who knows? I could be figuring it out right now inside there, which is a lot of unknown. (laughs) So I'm curious about this, the conscious component to it. I know that I can prepare my body as much as I possibly can, and I can do the testing and all that. Well, actually right now, since I'm in the month post miscarriage, all my biofeedback things are all wonky. So like my LH is up every day and I still am testing positive on a pregnancy test. So I'm getting blood work done tomorrow to see if my HCG, which is the pregnancy hormone that you get a positive with on. The pregnancy test. So I'm like doing all the things, but I'm curious and I have some questions for you that, of course, I'm sure my audience would be interested in hearing your answer to. And selfishly, I am curious in what your answer is. And that's the subconscious and things that could be happening, maybe mentally or subconsciously, that could be playing a role. I don't want to say necessarily that are preventing conception, but maybe, but just things that factor in and play a role. What have you seen in your practice?
0: Sure. So I'll share that it's still bi-directional in that your emotions impact the physical and the physical impacts the emotional. I want to say that. And also our approach, so my clinic in Vancouver, it's an integrative approach. And so we address the physical. So there is testing. You got it, you know, does he have sperm? So there's the semen analysis. Do you have eggs? So they can't really test quality, but they can test quantity. And are you having the right kind of hormones? So they can look at that. Are your tubes open? And then in clinics like ours that do functional medicine, they can really go to a cellular level, really look at, is there some subtle imbalances that's interfering with fertility? And our goal is healthy baby. We call it peak fertility, right? Right. You want your baby to be healthy. And that actually starts at least 100 days before you conceive. So the quality of the egg gets pulled into recruitment right? And then that's about a year in advance. And the 100 days before you ovulate or you get the eggs picked up in an IVF cycle, those 100 days before, that environment is impacting the eggs for their quality. So they could have the best potential. They could have the potential to give life, but the environment, poor blood flow, lots of inflammation, malnourishment, microbiome that you mentioned, off, lots of things, hormonal imbalances, that when it goes through that recruitment, It's not at its peak fertility potential, right? And so our goal is, can we get it to its peak fertility potential? A metaphor, if I may, is that we say, nourish the soul before you plant the seed in Chinese medicine. And so the idea is you could have this plant that doesn't look very healthy because you neglected it. And, you know, it's a little brownish and you're like, you know what, before I throw it away, I'm going to add water to the soil. I'm going to move it so it gets different sunlight. I may add some fertilizer, pull some weeds. And we all have done this where the plant has regained its vigor and give off has given off fruits and flowers. We didn't do donor roots for this plant. The plant always had the potential to give off fruits and flowers, but the soil was suboptimal, so it didn't get to its potential. And that's where the physical and the spiritual, the conscious fertility plays a role. What can we do to the soil to optimize the soil so your eggs and his sperm can reach their potential? Because that... 100 days before conception and then throughout your pregnancy when the woman carries the baby is going to impact the health blueprint of this future child which is what we call epigenetics turning on and off genes so there is a huge part of diet lifestyle supplements all these things that you can do on the physical side so do that because that's one thing you have some control over right The easiest part you have control do. Yeah, someone
1: like me is like, yeah, where's the list of shit I can like (laughs) tick the boxes and you know, yeah, that I can do research on. (laughs) Yeah, there's
0: some boxes to be ticked. We have a nice fertility diet on our website that's free, that has recipes. So that's there. And it's a whole anti-inflammatory, low glycemic index. So if you want the diet side, we've made it simple, not neurotic, right? Because you can go, like you said, it's about moderation. Like, you know, having sex six, seven days in a row it's not necessary. And that hurts after a while. It's like anything, too much of a good thing becomes not a good thing, right? Mm -hmm. And sex is one of those things. For some people, having it that often turns pleasure into pain, right? And so-
1: Some people kind of like that. I mean, yeah, I've talked yeah, to them for, on this
0: show. Yeah. yeah. For them, <laughs> that's why I said for some people, for some right? People. Every, there's the general population. And then, right. yeah, if you enjoy it, go for and there's it, right? The sadist and the masochist. <laughs> and if that's, anyway, if that's pleasure for you, then you got something to go for sure. Then you asked about the conscious side of it, or your mind. I'm talking about this, the subconscious side of it. Can it be preventing? Can it be interfering? Well, here's kind of a grounded way because some people say yes, maybe. First of all, I believe your subconscious is in. Every cell of the body, it's not just in your mind. Your cells react to your thoughts and feelings. We know this. You get that gut punch when you get bad news. When you look at your pregnancy test and you're not pregnant or you get your period. Women describe that as the gut punch they get, or they're out with friends and the friend who just got married that has been a Coke addict for six years says, We're pregnant. We're pregnant. Right. And they're like, What? Like the gut punch. Right. Where yeah. not fair.
1: So, oh, man, you didn't, I can tell not, you. At that's the not in your head. Yeah. Going to the mall is like something that I don't recommend just post-miscarriage because to me, I was looking around at all the people with the kids and how they were acting towards them and all the pregnant people and all of by the food court in front of the Chick-fil-A. And I was a judgy asshole.
0: You know, that's why you and Jordan are going to be awesome parents because the people <laughs> that I see for fertility that had to work, it's like anything. Anything you've had to work at, you value more, right? And we all love our children, right? Most people love their children. Even the people that do it in an inappropriate way, there's a love there. Mm -hmm. When you have to work at it with fertility, you are right. You definitely are raising your children differently because of what you went through. You appreciate. You don't take it for granted. And this is the idea of this Conscious Fertility Podcast and the conscious work I'm doing in my clinic. It's going from conscious fertility to conscious conception to conscious pregnancy to conscious parenting. So part of my agenda for the conscious work is I looked outside and I was a little concerned about the world and how people and have to raise children in this planet. And I subscribe to the idea that the outer world is a reflection of our inner world. And if we want to see change in the outer world, we have to first do change in our inner world. We have to wake up and become conscious and aware. And if you're conscious and awake, then you get your attachment needs met differently. And there's a famous ecologist here in Vancouver, BC, where I live, Gordon Neufeld, who says, every human being wants the same thing. We're beings of attachment. We wanna be seen, heard, loved, valued. And when we don't get our attachment needs met, you didn't, I didn't, nobody did, because we were raised by behaviorists rather than developmentalists, is how Gordon Neufeld puts it out. We grow up looking to get our attachment needs met in an inappropriate way. So we cut, we see the teenagers cutting themselves. We see a lot more drug addiction, screen addiction, maybe pornography, eating addiction, um, sexual abuse. These are all going to war with other countries. These are all people trying to get their attachment needs met in an inappropriate way. So the conscious fertility idea here was if infertility is your wake-up call and women and men come to do their conscious work, and we're going to explain, please don't let me lose this track of how you can affect the body with your thoughts and your feelings. Yes. If we can optimize our fertility from the conscious side of it, The other thing that comes out of that is you become a conscious parent and you're going to now give the attach, because you've learned to attach to yourself, you're now awake and aware, you're going to attach your child in this way, you're going to become a developmentalist versus a behaviorist, basically a conscious parent, and your child will not need to cut, commit suicide, do drugs, join a gang to get their needs met. And I believe that's one way to help heal the world. So that's kind of my hidden agenda.
1: Hidden agenda. Yeah,
0: why I want to do this.
1: (laughs) Made light. Yes.
0: And then here's the answer to your question about can it prevent, can your beliefs or your thoughts and feelings interfere? The short answer is yes, because I think the term they use is psychoneuroimmunology. I think they've added it psychoneuroimmunoendocrinology. So your psychology, your thinking, your feelings affect your immune system, affect your nervous system, affect your hormonal system. So we can measure this. We know this and think about this. The hypothalamus pituitary ovarian axis, the hypothalamus pituitary testicular axis is important for reproduction. It's part of that hormonal system. Your immune system is very important. Think of autoimmune diseases. There's so many autoimmune infertility issues. So we need this to be in balance we need this to work and your thoughts and feelings can interfere with that through the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis so that stress response leads to more inflammation takes blood flow away from your reproductive system i actually say that again because it's really important yeah when you're constantly stressed and you're in that fight or flight and there's no survival benefit you're just worried about getting pregnant you're worried about your money you're worried about does your spouse love you today all these things your body goes into a fight or flight a stress response But there's no survival benefit for it. That system is important. So we should not, we want to have it, but it's because you're about to get hit by a car or a wild animal. That's when you want it to kick in. When you're stressed at work or in life, there's no survival benefit, but it can wreak havoc on your body. It's not meant to be turned on so often. Well, now today you look at your phone, your news feed on Facebook, or you go to the news and you're constantly in the fight or flight. So over time, that can wear down your body, your cells. It's not great. And when you're stressed, reproduction, digestion, take a lower priority, and the blood is diverted to your heart, your lungs, and large muscles, so you're available to fight or flight. Mm. And so we want to make sure we have blood to the reproductive system, to the digestive system. So just on that materialistic level, we can say that your stress and emotions can impact your health of your body and maybe that's the tipping the weight on the scale that puts you to getting pregnant versus not. Maybe, right? And as you age, my teacher, you said we can swear on this podcast, so I'll share with you one of my great mentors. She was really curious about when donor eggs, this was a couple decades ago when they were starting to use donor eggs more. She was really curious, because she said, you know, most women, they have babies in their 20s when they're young, and they don't have their shit together yet. They don't have their life together, But they're physically stronger. Mm -hmm. So they have babies, spiritually mature, physically strong. And then a lot of the women that we see in our practice or have to do donor eggs, if they conceive naturally in their 40s or later, they're spiritually mature, but physically not in their prime. So you have these babies that that are raised by a mature mother, but physically their genetics may not be as strong, right? And she said, the donor eggs are really cool because they have the physicality of the younger woman, because they usually get eggs from a younger woman, and it's going to be carried for nine months and raised by a spiritually mature mother. And she was always curious, how are these babies going to turn out? Because they're going to get best of both worlds. But if in your late 30s or in your early 40s, she would say that if you're going to try and conceive and you're having difficulties, then you need to get your shit together, because spirituality can trump physicality. And so that's why the conscious work is important. So I'm quoting her, is you need to get your shit together. And that means be awake, be aware, be authentic, be that alpha mum to be
1: mm. is her approach. Mm-hmm. And would you say the next question I have on my little list here that, you know, take my notes <laughs> and like what I want Annette to answer. It sounds like you just answered to the question of the problem that you see people experiencing when it comes to conception. now outside of the physical components, like if there's an actual physical thing that they need to work on, if we understand all of that, let's say on paper and in blood work and all the things and the fallopian tubes are open, everything looks great. Semen analysis is great, but there's still, and maybe you can explain a little bit to what constitutes as infertility as well, because I know that that's kind of, it means different things depending on the woman's age and all that. So let's say someone isn't getting pregnant after several many months. What is the thing that you wish that they would know? And it sounds a little bit like you might've just answered it, but I want to hear if I frame the question that way, maybe if there's a little more.
0: Yeah, well, I would say that first of all, we know less than we pretend we know. Us health professionals, right? So, we, although we confidently say this is who you are and here's your diagnosis, right? So, quote Deepak okay. Chopra, it's okay to believe in the diagnosis. You don't have to believe in the prognosis. And so, yeah. be an advocate for yourself. When we tell you you can't get pregnant often, not me, I've never said that to anybody, but there's stats. And so, my bachelor of sciences in math, so stats was part of my training, and they said stats lie. And so, I will share with you that there is no person that fits in that stat. It's a collective. And so the stats are there to help you make informed decisions, especially if you're going to do treatments, that are going to take time and cost you money. You'd like to know statistically if your chances are low or none statistically. So you can make a decision. There are people that are told they can't get pregnant that come to my practice and they do get pregnant naturally or through another IVF when they've been told it's done. So it does happen. The stats are there for you to make an informed decision. Then once you know the stats, you have a 5% chance. Then, and you make a commitment to continue to try. Well, now the stat for you is going to either be zero or 100%. I don't have any 30% pregnant women, right? You're either going to have a baby or you're not. But so that's where the stat part is. I just want to share because people from the conscious side, you get a diagnosis, and if you take that on, there's a belief there that I can't get pregnant. And so that could be an issue, right? So that's the first part. And your other question is what could you know or what should you be doing? Just remind me of what you're asking so I can directly answer your question, and then those that have similar questions will get something from it as well.
1: Well, I kind of like that question. Of what you can do. Yeah. I mean, that is the last one on my little list here is (laughs) advice to people who are experiencing this. And maybe they're not even really experiencing infertility. I did ask for a little description on infertility as well. But but, um, let's say people aren't really experiencing infertility, but they want to go on a conscious fertility journey.
0: Yeah. Well, we have not a lot, but we have people who've come to me at 40, Saying, I'm going, I want to have a baby now, I'm starting late in life, but I want my baby to be as healthy as possible. What can I do, right? And it's similar to what you can do if you're having difficulty getting pregnant. The infertility definition, I mean, we have a Western definition. You know, if you've been trying for so long during the right time and you haven't been pregnant in a year, you know, you haven't had a live birth because miscarriage is also a form of infertility. We have women that come to us and say, I get pregnant all the time. I just can't carry to term. That's part of the infertility diagnosis. So you're kind of grouped into that if you have a, what's called a recurrent pregnancy loss, right? You well, we're not recurrent
1: diagnosis. yet, okay? No, you're not, you're not. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> yeah,
0: And personally, even though it's common, they say it's common for women to have miscarriages. So there's a stat. You don't want to be part of the stat. You know, it's not something you want to be part of, right? There's certain things you'd rather be an outlier. So I encourage people to do some prep work to be an outlier because Alexa, you've experienced it is, it's not something that you're going to use it to evolve yourself and you're going to use this for more resilience and you're going to be better because of it. I can tell by knowing you, but it's not something you want something to have.
1: No, to I definitely don't. Growth. I would love for other people to be able to get the same lessons and have the same downloads, whatever, get to the same place, but without the experience that I went through. And I feel like it in a lot of ways was meant for me.
0: Yeah. And I would agree because it's happened. So that's part of the conscious, you know, it is what it yeah. is. So, you know, so don't fight with reality. Right. And I'm not going to gonna fight, fight with reality. reality. Oh You're yeah. You're going to suffer, right? Exactly. <laughs> You're suffer. Exactly. So to put it into real practical terms rather than here's the definition. Look, I'm a fan of being an advocate for yourself. And so getting some information so you can be an advocate, it's like everything, you can get too much information. So I have people that come to me with all the box tixes and they're on a thousand coaching programs and they're on a million supplements and for them i try not to give them more information i try to pull things away so it depends who's sitting in front of me of what kind of information i'm giving them right some of them come to me smoking they're smokers so they get a different discussion than somebody who eats perfectly is trying to meditate but they're stressed at meditating and they're doing you know the type a type a type a so they get a different discussion because i got to meet you where you're at and every person psychologically and physically do need something different so there's no right way but we're chatting here so I would share in general that if you're under 35 and it's been a year then they say go ahead and get more aggressive testing if you're over 35 don't wait a year six months do more aggressive testing and that's with the Western conventional side look at the tube sperm and just there's other things that they can test the FSH, the AMH, all the sex hormones on day 3, the thyroid and then visit your Chinese medicine or naturopathic doctor where they'll do some functional medicine testing as well, where we go nice and deep into a cellular level what's going on. And if you have irregular cycles, painful sex, real painful periods, then, you know, like you end up finding out you have PCOS or endometriosis, it's just something not right about your cycles, then you don't have to wait. You go right away and have something checked out to see, don't wait. And then if you're just an advocate and you want to have a healthy baby, then you can be proactive and see your healthcare provider and say, I just want to work up and see where I'm at and then tune things up and mm. give yourself that 100 days and then actively start to try. That would be kind of that approach. On the physical level, kind of what I think of our VIP kick-ass peak fertility stuff that we're doing at our clinic, if time and money wasn't an issue, what I would dream for all the couples, first of all, I'd love to see more men come in. We have women that come into, and this is Across the board, when I talk to my colleagues, the women are coming into practice, just like most of the people that listen to your podcast and my podcast are female, identify as female. The men are not showing up for treatment. Even when the woman sitting across from me says, yeah, we've been diagnosed with a male factor, but their partner's not even in the consult, right? It's not even her issue. It's his issue. I would say I've been doing this since 2000 more men are coming in, so this is great. We see couples coming in, so this is good. It's different today than it was in 2000. However, the odds, the numbers are not matching well. And Chinese medicine talks about it, it takes two to make a baby, you need both. Now in the conventional, the Western approach, they're learning now that the semen analysis, a bit rudimentary, it's not great at telling you that you're gonna produce a healthy child or you're gonna produce a child. They can give you an idea whether you're gonna have difficulty but it's not great at saying you're going to help create life from the semen analysis. It's like reading the contents of a book and not reading the book and thinking you know the book. Right? Just reading the contents of it. And they're starting to link male factor to unexplained infertility and miscarriage. And so the good news about men, so I'm sharing this because this actually I wasn't planning to talk about this. But just to let you know, if you want to increase your pregnancy rates, men need to get involved. If you're with a partner, if you're not using donor sperm, you're going to have a baby with that guy's sperm, then you diet's important. His lifestyle's important. Antioxidant therapy can help. The great thing about men, they're not as complicated as women. Go figure, right? <laughs> and so men are making about a 1,000 to 1,500 sperm every heartbeat. Maybe that's why when Jordan sees you in the shower, he's like, hey, you know, he's like. (laughs) They're just, men are, they're making about, I joke, but they're making about 1,000 to 1,500 sperm a heartbeat. The good news is that if it's a lifestyle factor, an epigenetic factor, so if it's lifestyle, they're sitting too long, biking too long, they're hot tubbing. Think about the cowboys. They used to use hot tubs as birth control. It's not a good method, but it does, can affect the motility heat. And if it's a really strong insult of heat, it will affect the count, right? changing the heat insult to the testes. If it's just DNA fragmentation, like they're getting oxidative stress impacting the sperm. So antioxidant diet, right? Or taking antioxidants. So they can really address the sperm. And we see this in practice. I remember a couple came to us after they did ICSI. So ICSI is when they take the sperm and inject it into the egg. So it's IVF in vitro fertilization, but rather than putting sperm in the Petri dish and saying best sperm win, so all the sperm go in the One's going to penetrate the egg and fertilize the egg. Literally
1: chose the best one.
0: They take one sperm and they put that sperm into the egg. So they fertilize the egg. Okay. This is what they do when there's male factor. They'll fertilize it. So they did this because he had very poor sperm parameters, motility count, morphology being shape.
1: Right.
0: And it didn't work. And so the clinic sent them to our clinic because they're like, we got nothing for you. And the way they said it is, the clinic over there does unorthodox treatments. They don't have good research for what they do, but we have seen anecdotally some successes. So we've given you what we can do before we try another one. Go see them for a couple months, come back to see us. So we changed his diet, his lifestyle. We gave him herbs. We gave him acupuncture. We gave him supplements. And over a four to five month period, his sperm parameters change greatly. And I will share that epigenetically, the sperm take to mature 72 to 90 days. In theory, if you go abracadabra and you fix the person that day, three months later, the sperm should be great. I will share clinically, give it six months, not three months. Dr. Paul Turk, he's a reproductive urologist out of California, shared this with me. That's what they're noticing and that's what we notice in our clinic too. Three to six months after you start making those changes. In this gentleman's semen analysis, it was so normal that when he went back to the clinic to do another IVF ICSI, they said, Hey, these sperm are good now. Like, this is not warranted for ICSI. Can you give yourself two more months? They did, and they conceived naturally. After an ICSI, 20 some odd thousand dollar procedure, diet, lifestyle, some acupuncture herbs, antioxidants, pregnant naturally. Fast forward a few years, he comes back. His sperm is terrible again and they've been trying to get pregnant and they can't get pregnant same thing hey dude let's change your diet again <laughs> let's go back to this and then they conceived again naturally so i share this that not all but many of the men can benefit from being treated and so if you are trying to have a baby and his semen analysis is normal normal doesn't mean great right okay and we're trying to make a healthy baby here so I think all men should be proactive in eating well and taking some antioxidants as a minimum. Most most men, I can never say all, there's always the outliers. And so that's that part. And then on the conscious side of it, just the reason I brought that in is everybody's doing the physical well, actually sometimes too well, everything's in moderation. So I'm starting to see that we're becoming so worried about how we eat and the supplements and the timing and just everything, oh, I can't have stress today, right? We get so worried (laughs) that we're actually interfering with the health of our body as well. And so this is where the consciousness comes into it. And again, my intention I shared earlier, but another one of the intentions were that if you're fully awake and aware more than you are unconscious, then not only is it good physically for you, And not only do you start to experience more peace and joy in your life, but you will start to feel whole and complete. And then whether you don't have baby or do have baby, you're going to be okay. Your desire and want for the baby does not go away. I'm not saying you're going to stop wanting the baby, but you are okay. Because it's the desire and want and not having it, the lack of the baby that's causing the trauma, the stress that I see. And with this conscious work, you can come to a place where you're okay. And you remember I said at the very beginning, that paradoxical thing, when you surrender to your anger, when you surrender to the present, when you get accepting to what is, when you surrender to what is, so in this case, we talked about anger, but you're surrendering and you get into the present moment. I said it was paradoxical that in that paradoxical space, you can then choose differently. Like you can choose to feel differently. I have seen many cases when women that I do, and I'm doing low-level laser therapy with them. I'm doing acupuncture, diet herbs. And a big part of my practice is conscious work. So I do it either telehealth or in with the acupuncture in the sessions. Many of the women get to a place with the conscious work where they're like, I'm okay. You know, I want this baby, but I'm happy whether I don't have the baby or I do have the baby. They're clear that they want it, but they're not struggling inside. And they usually end up having a baby. They often have a baby. And the ones that don't, The desire never stopped, but the desire does not torture them anymore. It's a subtle thing, right? But that's that that idea of not being attached to form an outcome. And people go, there's no way, no. Yeah, I get it. When you come in, there's no way that you think you cannot stop wanting it. And I would never ask you to stop wanting to have a baby because you can't. You don't choose what you want. You notice what you want, but you don't choose it. But with conscious work, you can come to a place where It's a want, but not this desperate need. It's that desperate need and lack of it that's causing resistance in the body. We call it Qi stagnation. And I think you said this with one of the other podcasts that you were talking about. But when there's resistance in the body, then you don't have flow and receptivity. In Chinese medicine, fertility, and carrying a baby is all about flow and receptivity. So when you fight with reality or where you have this desperate need for this child, it does create, or anything, you're supposed to be a certain way, this job, this money, any kind of resistance creates friction, creates cheese stagnation, and it interferes with receptivity and flow. And we see this in electrical systems. We're electrical systems, by the way. We're bioelectric. We know this, right? We're electrical systems that when the resistance is high, the electricity doesn't flow. And when you bring down the resistance, electricity, energy flows. And so that's part of the conscious work is using these meditative tools these present moment tools these belief change tools to change the subconscious limiting beliefs that are running in the background that are sabotaging you or interfering with your happiness creating resistance it's about changing those so you bring down the resistance what we call Qi stagnation chinese medicine which now allows flow and receptivity it's not a conscious thing you bring in this baby into your life right Right action does follow right thinking. So I'm not suggesting you just have to think and dream the baby and it happens. But the action comes out of inspiration. Actually, this is an important part, Alexa. The doing comes out of your being. So you said no more doing. Like so many people are doing, doing, doing. And really conscious work is about being. So you become a human being, not a human human doing. However, in this space of being, you will get some inspiration. To, I'm going to go for this, see this doctor. Like, I'm going to see this person out of desperation. It's not FOMO. I'm missing out. I got it. What? There's low-level laser therapy for fertility? I got to do that, right? There's that desperation. I'm missing out. I'm not talking about that kind of doing. I'm talking about you have a dream, or you see a book and you open it up, and then this happens, or somebody just found this podcast, and then they're hearing about something. I'm talking about those synchronicities where you feel it in your heart that you want to do it, not out of fear that you're missing out it's an inspiration and that's the beingness. So first we have to be still, get into our beingness and out of the beingness, right action will flow naturally. And I guess that's how I would describe how the doing happens from the conscious fertility perspective.
1: That's amazing. And I feel validated in a lot of ways, hearing a lot of what you shared and how you shared it. And especially I think when you first came onto my radar and I saw your Facebook Live, you were doing with our mutual friend, Sammy T, who produces your podcast and your show. I remember asking the question, how do people who are not healthy and not in a prime position to have a baby? How do they just up and get pregnant when their bodies are broken or when there's not love or whatever the case may be? And then all of a sudden, whoops, pregnant. At this point, I've gotten to a place where I'm like, I have been lied to my whole life. (laughs) As a young woman and Jordan too, when we first got together, he was just like, oh my God, but you could get pregnant. I'm like, no, I cannot right now. He was just of the mind and many men are of the like, I'm too afraid that anytime I ejaculate, I'm going to get her pregnant. Like we were all lied to as children and I understand why and whatever. I'm from the South and I also live in Texas now, so...
0: I (laughs) I know
1: where it all comes from and all that. But anyway, yeah, that was like, I remember the question that I asked was like, how do these people just like wind up getting pregnant? Because at this point I'm like, how does anyone just accidentally go? Oh, whoops, I'm pregnant. Because it's just like, I feel like a scientist over here sometimes. But I remember what you shared. You shared something about that. The resistance isn't present in them. Something to that effect may not be present.
0: Yeah, like I didn't create this world, right? So I don't know, right? Like everybody likes to confidently say this is what's happening. So I think it's pretty apparent. I didn't create the world. So (laughs) I don't know exactly why these people do it, but they got youth on their side. Maybe they don't have resistance, but really it's that we're looking at the world from a very materialistic point of view from our senses. And with the guests that I have on my show, I'm starting to see that there's research and there's things that, don't fit our newtonian materialistic world and so we'll probably find out why someday but it's when you come from this is the physical world and this is how everything is in biology it doesn't make sense but we're looking at it from probably a very narrow limited view perception and i suspect we're looking at it this way we're living at a time pretend that we think the world is flat and there's a few people saying the world is round And we think that the earth goes around, the sun goes around the earth. And they're saying, no, actually the earth rotates around the sun. And if you look outside, it looks pretty obvious to me that the sun is rotating around the earth. That's what it looks like. And if I look out, it looks like this earth is pretty flat. But somebody with their great technology have shown that the earth is round and it's the other way around, even though it doesn't look like that. To answer your question, you know, if we look at it from the flat earther's perspective, Mm -hmm. we can understand why these people that don't take care of their bodies get pregnant but we're probably looking at it from a very narrow, minimal perspective. And there's more to this world than meets the eye. So I don't know what that is, but I've talked to enough people to know that there's something else happening that we don't see yet. But a lot of us, more people feel it and get it and know it. They just don't know how to articulate it. And I think you're one of those people as well that there's more to this world than the five senses can tell you.
1: Absolutely. And in those moments when I see pregnant person and then I judge where they are, how they are living their life or where they are showing up. And I have these moments. I recognize it's my own internal work to do. Exactly. It's not about whether or not they should this or they should that, because then that's me imposing shame upon them, which is only something that someone else can give to a person. And so I'm like, I have a lot of the tools and a lot of the frameworks to put myself back together.
0: So you got it because when you have the resentment for them, because you didn't choose to feel resentment for them, but you have it, but with the conscious work, you notice that you have the resentment and now you start to go in and find out where's that resentment inside and you start to work it and clean it up and integrate it and take up a relationship with it and then it doesn't have that a negative effect on you see yeah. that's but so everything that happens is, is that whole uh, cliche that saying life isn't happening to you it's happening for you and so when you change that perspective and so it becomes playful like if i'm in those shoes and i have that resentment for somebody And as soon as i notice it i don't get mad at myself oh my god i was resenting i'm like oh there's that program resentment and jealousy and i'm not enough oh i thought i dealt with that a month ago i can't believe it's (laughs) back. all right let's work it again i got my tools and that's what i teach my clients i give them tools when things come up and that's why when things come up You're like, oh, all right, I got to go to work. I got to roll up my sleeves and do the conscious work. It still doesn't feel good. You have to be willing to be uncomfortable to do conscious work because you got to feel those yucky feelings. We all like the good feelings. Mm -hmm. However, when you get present with them and you pay attention to them in a conscious way, for whatever reason, again, I don't know exactly why I have my ideas, they transform and you have relief and peace. And now you're in that place again where you can choose differently and start to create that fertile ground in your body. And that's what the conscious work is all about.
1: Mm. beautiful. Now, I remember when we first got started and I said, I don't know, I'm gonna try and have us land at about 45 minutes, it's a joke. Because I'm like a minute and five, I mean, I'm in like an hour and five minutes, almost every one of my shows. So I'm just going to start surrendering to that.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's perfect. Or you know what? Part one, go. part two.
1: <laughs> yeah, that works too. I mean, I like it all together for sure. Yeah. But I'm just sitting here. I was like looking at the time and I was like, you're cute, Alexa, uh-huh. you know, with your 45 minutes. No, because this was amazing. You got into a really beautiful flow with sharing some of this information that I imagine so many people whether they've gone through this or they're about to go through, through this or wherever they're at on their journey to either become parents or not or whatever. There's so much that you shared that even though you're speaking about conscious fertility, there's so much there that's about being a conscientious or a conscious aware and awake, whatever the terms you want to use, person in life. And there's so many things that it was in the direction of creating flow so that eventually and I'm paraphrasing and making, I know that there's so much more to this, so that someone can then lead to being a fertile ground and a fertile place for conception and for a baby so that then they can go become conscious parents. So that even though that was the topic and that was the direction this was going, there was so much that it's more than that. You know, saying yes to some of these things, digging deeper into, i use the term oneself, going on this journey, it impacts every area of life.
0: Yes. Well, you get me now because my audience, although I directed to people trying to grow their family, anybody can benefit. Conscious fertility is another form of manifestation. So baby manifestation, funny enough that the men that are coming to my practice are coming for, I want to manifest a better job. I want to improve my health or my body, or both men and women want to do conscious relationship work where they want their relationship to go to another level using the conscious work because it's a form of manifestation. And so, yes, these tools I'm sharing is for anybody who's a human being pretty much. You don't have to have fertility or want to grow your family to benefit from these tools. And in my practice, my podcast, as you know, is the Conscious Fertility Podcast because I'm directing it at that audience. But the people that come see my clinic are not all trying to get pregnant. They just want to be conscious so they can have abundance, joy, health, love in their life. And that's where we use these tools.
1: Beautiful. Thank you, Lauren, so much for sharing your gifts. Where can people find you? I know we've mentioned your podcast a handful of times, so you have the Conscious Fertility Podcast. Where else would you like for them to say hi if they want to learn more about what you do in the world?
0: Yeah, you can check out our fertility diet and our conscious information on the Acubalance site. So that's acubalance.ca. It's with one C, acubalance.ca because I'm in Canada, that's the CA part. Yep. I have a website called laurenbrown.com where I have conscious talks on there. And I'm starting to put up some of the conscious fertility podcasts there. And then my IG handle, Instagram is lauren underscore brown um, underscore official, I think. So lauren brown official, because there's Great. a few of them out there. So that would be mine. And you can connect with me on the IG site as well. And those would be the best places to Great. find me.
1: Well, we'll make sure to link all of those so we make it easy for everyone in the show notes. Y'all know where you can get all of the goods. And thank you so much for the free diet and all the resources that I'm sure people are going to wind up finding their way to after listening to the show. I appreciate you. I know we went a little over the hour here and I feel grateful that we were able to navigate a little bit of what is personal and important to me in some of my personal journey because that's a big part of the show and then answering a lot of questions that I thought it was a really beautiful way that it took a turn to a more holistic way of being and living. And so again, I'm really grateful that pretty much anybody who decided to listen to this show, I'm sure is walking away with certainly some reminders, if not some initial uh aha. So again, so much gratitude to you and the work that you do in the world, Lauren.
0: Thank you, Alexa. And I look forward to us talking about sex on the Conscious Fertility Podcast in the near future.
1: Oh yeah. I've got some Baby codes making. now. Yeah. You're going to be
0: perfect for this. Cause you're I've going got through
1: some, it. yep. I've got some codes now and I'm looking forward to that too. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe. So you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.